0: Fern, we are back. Best hour of their day. We are taking off. People are loving the show.
1: It's been fun, and, and I don't think people have an idea of, like, there's some pretty awesome folks that are going to be on the podcast in, in the coming weeks.
0: Yeah, we, you know, you and I know everyone that's coming on, but I think a big one. Should we let people know who you'll be chatting with later in the week?
1: I mean, we've already gotten requests for it, so we might as well put it out there. But we are, we are. I am going to sit down and, and chat with the Chuck Carswell.
0: The Chuck Carswell. He's going to be a great interview. He.
1: I can't wait. And he's just someone
0: everyone loves. I just talked to Coach Bergner earlier today, and I said, "Man, you are just someone everyone loves," and I think it's because you're old. Like you're just <laughs> you get to a certain, but you get to a certain age, and people love you. Chuck's not all. I mean, granted, he's gonna be fifty this
1: year. He was gonna he be fifty just, this year.
0: People just love him because who he is.
1: Yeah, he's just a he, you know, I think there's no shortage of people in the CrossFit community that remember their level one. And then right after they were like, I took my level one, their next statement was like, Chuck was the Chuck was the flow and Chuck's the man.
0: He's you'll talk about it with him, but he's coming up on his five hundredth seminar.
1: That is just mind-blowing. I can't even wrap my brain around
0: that. Yeah, that's crazy. All right, we're going to kick off this podcast, but beforehand, I always like to give thanks to the people that are leaving us reviews on Apple, and this one comes from Corey B. 73 Best hour of their day is awesome. The two Jasons are a wealth of knowledge. Whether you're an athlete, box owner, or coach, give them a listen. You will not be disappointed. So thank you, Corey B.
1: And we'll try not to disappoint.
0: We'll do our best. I don't think we're going to disappoint this week. We're talking about on-ramps. Also, whatever you want to call them, fundamentals, boot camps. What else have you heard?
1: Uh, Athlete intake. Um, Yeah, like the point is I don't think it matters what you call it. It's just like how you bring athletes into the fold of your gym is the topic for today. And and largely we're going to try to keep this to why it's important from a – From a coaching standpoint but we have to understand that these things are not mutually exclusive like this does affect the business but it also has overlap with regard to how that affects the coaches on the floor so you can't really separate the two they're not independent of each other
0: yeah and i think one thing that you'll get from the two of us is we've probably tried it all i mean granted you can always create a new way but when i say all personally we did a zero day, meaning, hey, welcome to CrossFit. Here's Fran. We did a one day, which we try to cram every movement into an hour, and typically that led to the coach going far more than an hour. Uh, we also did three, six, and twelve day.
1: So, I yeah, and I've done and so when you did those, those three, six, and twelve day was over what time frame? It
0: was a little different for each one. The the one that was the most Regimented was the 12 day. So the 12 day, you know, I don't, this was years ago, but I believe we did like Monday, Wednesday, Thursday at 7 p.m. and it started just once a month, you know, so it, yeah, was, so it was
1: four weeks. Yep.
0: Four weeks of, of three times a week. And and the six day was similar. It was just every other week versus monthly. And, and, and I've I, have,
1: seen if, go ahead.
0: I have my opinions on all of them and, and I'm certainly willing to give them and we will, but. What what options have you tried?
1: I've tried all of those, and I've seen as high as eight and 12 weeks for people that have done this.
0: 12 weeks.
1: So long. I mean, that's that's three months. So. You know,
0: and, and, and that's where we talk about there's, you know, I think if you're an affiliate owner, and I know for me, the, the downfall to that. 12 sessions over the month as you look at it you're like, well, what if someone wants to sign up today and they have mm-hmm. to wait through weeks? So that's certainly something to consider, but you know, on that far end, they're coming into your box and joining classes as a much smarter, better moving athlete.
1: Correct. And, and I think, I think you and I will agree here. I don't know that there is a way to do it. I think that how you do that continually morphs over time based on a couple different factors. One, what does your business look like? And then two, what do your coaches look like? Because those two things matter. You, you may be in a position from a business standpoint that, hey, come on in here, sign up, is what needs to happen. You know, like you might be in a position where, hey, listen, I need to bring in revenue and I need members, I need butts and seats right now. And that's okay. Yeah. Or, or depending how long you've been
0: open. So for example, that twelve week, one month version I did at Albany CrossFit when we had you know about five hundred members, and at that point I needed people coming into classes smart because I had thirty in a class and they had been going around a while, so I can't break down you know the air squat to everyone. However, I then opened another affiliate CrossFit Soulshine, and that was you know in two thousand thirteen. I had people join and start that that same day
1: because they were all new. Yeah. So, and but going back to what I said earlier, I think what is important about this is, regardless of how you do it, it should be done with intent. Meaning, I'm doing it this way because of these factors, because that's what needs to happen based on what's going on with the business, and then what is my coaching staff capable of handling based on the athletes that are on the floor. So, I think you have to look at all of those because it'll morph over time. And if it, I would argue that if it doesn't morph over time and you don't change it, and you're not revamping it, that's, in my opinion, probably signs of of some stagnant coaching or stagnant business.
0: Yeah, any anything you're doing should be at least evaluated, and you can evaluate it and find out it's going great. But that same place that I did the 12 sessions, Albany CrossFit, where I've had James, the head coach, on a couple times, they now do two weeks. So they clearly took a look at things and and made a change to it, you know? So let's first look at timeframe. If we look at timeframe, one thing I learned in that was the longer people committed to it, the longer they stayed at CrossFit. What do you agree with that or disagree?
1: I would probably be in the middle because I've seen it both ways. I've seen people you know, that have bought memberships on a Groupon that are some of our, you know, we did a Groupon, I mean, probably seven or eight years ago before I realized that was just a really horrific idea. And those are some of our best members. So, you know, I I think it kind of depends. Um, But I would, I would, I would probably agree with you that on average, the longer the intake process within reason probably has probably has a better rate of retention.
0: You know, and some options, you know, one thing that worked well for us was we had two locations at that time. So although they were a one month program, you can start them every other week. You just might have to go to a different location that would become your norm. But if you're running a box and you wanted to go that longer route, you can have two going on at once. You can have a morning session and an evening session. So someone doesn't have to wait three weeks potentially to get going with CrossFit.
1: Yeah. So um, let's talk about timeframes, but then I want to talk about kind of pros and cons of each and one of those because I think that is kind of what makes that what allows somebody to make a decision. Which variation of this should I use? So let's go let's go shortest to longest. So we have somebody comes in, we do no on ramp. We're like sign up today. They're in. Give me some of the pros and cons of that. All right, pros
0: money in your pocket day one. Yep. Right. Let's go back and forth. Maybe cons, Rabdo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. So we've got that, you know, and that's a bit of a far fetch, but you know, injury, the risk of injury is higher, you know, pro, you know, you're, you're just, you know, goes back to that money. You're just getting people in your box. If someone is told they, ha- you know, there, there are people that it's like, okay, I got off my couch today. Today's the day. Sorry. You have to wait three weeks they're either going back to the couch or finding another box that I'll have them tomorrow. Cause you need to take, it's like any sales, the faster you can respond, the more likely you are to get it. Correct. Now the con and I think the obstacle I should say to that is you need to be a really good coach. You that
1: I agree with wholeheartedly.
0: So when I owned CrossFit soul shine, so let's use it, you know, cause that, that's a more recent, Version of this and, and more real world scenario when I owned it, it was me and my partner. We coached 100% of the classes. You know, we only have three or four days, so we were bringing the energy and we were following dot com at the time. You know, one workout a day, and we were coaching the hell out of it. So it didn't matter if you had 10 years or it was your first day and you had to really know how to scale, right? Go back and listen to our scaling episode. But if you didn't know how to scale, you were, you were going to fail there. Um, well, you know, when I did it originally at Albany CrossFit, it was just because it was more of that. I need money. I'm not going to tell someone not to pay, but as soon as it got big enough, I realized something needed to change because these guys couldn't hop into classes. And, and there were times where someone would walk in at two o'clock in the afternoon and I would put them through a workout just cause I was there and I wanted them to sign up. So Those are really, I think, the bigger pros and cons. Can you think of anything else associated with that hop on in mentality?
1: It it can be problematic for the coach, but I think people forget that it can also be problematic for member experience. So the other members in the gym who've been there a while are not going to get the attention that they were getting before this new person walked in, you know? So let's, let's say that it's, We've used Amanda before as an example. Let's use Amanda again as an example because those are pretty. That's something you're probably going to see on a fairly frequent basis in a gym. But those are two very technical movements. I have a muscle up and a snatch, nine seven five, not a, not high volume, but technical movements. If I've got a class full of people that have been there for, let's call it six months to four years. Most of them are probably familiar with what progressions, we, what progressions we use, what the logistical layout of the class is, and that should lend itself to a person assimilating fairly quickly, but I'm going to have to spend a lot more time with this new person who has never been in a set of rings, has no idea what a snatch is. They're thinking about a Brad Pitt movie or something like that. And I'm going to have to devote a lot of time and energy to this person, therefore ignoring some of the athletes. And that's going to be even for a seasoned coach because I have to make sure this person moves safely. So it's not just that person potentially has a bad experience and, and potentially gets injured, but all of the other people in the class. And they're not mad at that person. They're just not getting the attention that they came for.
0: And let's also add to that that could potentially wind up costing you a member because they might not enjoy it. They don't understand. Say they're doing Amanda. And we know that that's hard. It's too high skill movements, but it's also somewhat of a burner. You know, can we scale it well enough that they still get that stimulus? You know, just off the top of my head, I'm like, all right, what would I do? I'd probably do a very light power snatch. Yep. You know? And even though Amanda's a squat snatch, just cause they're not ready for that. And I'm talking light like PVC empty bar and I would probably do some sort of burpee jumping pull up. And that's gonna, even a very deconditioned person, it's gonna take them probably three minutes or less.
1: And Are you still using the 975 for that?
0: Yeah, I'll still go 975. But, you know, that's even just those two movements, if someone's never done it, that's taking a lot of my bandwidth. Now, you know, we could talk about. If you have an assistant in class, you give it to them, but that that creates a whole new scenario. I think this day and age in CrossFit, the joint class is a very hard way to get people going.
1: It just creates a lot of problems, and I and I agree. The big the linchpin in that scenario is the coach on the floor. Can't uh, do they have the skill set and experience to manage that fairly seamlessly? A new coach is going to fall on their face.
0: How many athletes? Do you need to have the capacity to coach to handle that, you know, or how much, how many years of experience do you think it takes to get there?
1: I mean, you need to have a couple thousand hours of coaching, I think, in order to facilitate, uh, in order to facilitate what I would consider a good, efficiently run lesson plan where everybody still has a good time and nobody really notices that the new person is in the class.
0: Yeah, or also just turns into. Hey guys, you go warm up your snatch. I'm working with Susie over here. Correct. So. Okay. That's that's zero day. Let's you know. Let's break this down to the basically a, a three day. You want to go three day?
1: Yeah, let's go from the one day to the three day because I, I, we used to do that as well. So we used to go. We've done one intro session. We've done no intro sessions. So that Actually, was. One day. Yeah, so yeah, that was, was zero. At, so let's go one day. Let's go one day. All right.
0: Same thing pros and cons what do you think
1: So pro again is very similar to the first one which is is very quick conversion you know yeah, so i mean,
0: That can still be day of right a lot you know for a lot of boxes what that looks like is one on
1: one Yeah and and we do a version of that now so i'm speaking from a lot of experience here so the the pro is quick quick conversion right so i may not get them signed up the first day but it's going to be for sure the second day um, cons is i'm going to meet with this person i'm probably going to give them far too much information in that one-on-one session at which point this does bring up the argument what is the point of this like why am i doing this one hour thing and what am i doing now context matters what i'm doing in them in the hour matters but i will tell you what we typically did in the past which is in that one hour i'm going to teach you all nine foundational movements which is somebody trying to drink lake michigan in one gulp it's just nobody can retain that amount of information like most people don't retain it in the two days that we give it for the level one course much less all of it in one hour
0: and and that's a really good way to look at it if you're listening and you've taken your level one how much of that did you retain you know, a week later, you know, and, and if you did, was it because you continued to read, continued to study, started coaching? Speaking of Boz last week, that was actually what he said is the biggest mistake coaches make is too much. You know, he says he, he to be a beginner all the time. And he started jujitsu and he's like, man, if I learn two or three things, I'm like, that's it. And I've probably forgotten one of them on the way to my car, you know, so I, you know, while it's better than nothing, I would say that one day is, is you're better off just having them sign up for, for join to join.
1: There's, there's a strong argument for that. And this is coming from a guy who we currently do that. But again, I think what you do in the hour matters.
0: What you do, and you're also, in fairness, cultivating a relationship with a coach. You're, you're removing a little bit of that barrier of intimidation. You know they they've worked out now, which may have been their first workout in three months or three years so so certainly it does well well, if we're on it, then, what does that one hour look like for you
1: so my that one hour is for me, not for them, and I tell them that on the front end. It's not going to be hard, we're not going to do a workout it is It is largely for me to assess the athlete move, so I want to see do they have any injuries, do they have any restrictions in their movement? Generally, what does their range of motion look like? We're going to do the three baseline movements. I'm going to have them show me some air squats. I'm going to have them press overhead. I'm going to have them do a deadlift. We're going to do a little bit of a kettlebell swing test just to see what kind of hip function they have. I'll do some overhead pulling tests just to see what capacity they have with pull ups, and I'll have them row a 500 meter row and not at 100%, you know, it's 80 to 90%. All of that gives me a snapshot of what I need to know to tell the rest of the coaching staff, basically what level of athlete is coming into the class, but nobody walks away from that session expecting to remember anything. And I tell them, listen, this is for me. It's not for you. We're going to teach you everything in the class, but I need to know some basic things about you and your movement and what you're afraid of and all of those things before I put you into a class. But then I need to convey that to the coaching staff so they have some idea about who this person is.
0: Yeah, you know, and that's what Coach Glassman used to say too. He'd put people on a bike, I think, at the time, and say that's basically him assessing them. You know, he's talking to them. If they're getting out of breath, he knows he needs to be aware of that. And then something you brought up that's really smart, and we probably could do a whole episode on it, is just communication with your crew. You know, this is only valuable if you then, you know, Fern goes in, whether it's text or Slack or your, you know, Facebook group, whatever you use to say, hey. Susie just joined today. Here are her limitations. Be aware of that, and that's you know the box I'm at currently, North Naples CrossFit. they do three one on one sessions, which we can dive into next, but it's the same thing after they're done. We get a text you know they're probably going to be in these classes, so these coaches be aware and and here is what they're you know sometimes it's like they're really fit they're they're gonna be going going out of good, but at, sometimes it's like, hey, this person's like a you know a soup sandwich be ready
1: yeah and that's and the report if you will i'll call it a report but it's a very it's a very simple kind of blast that goes out to everybody you know it's the person's name age which location they're probably going to be going to and if i can find out what class they'll be at i'll probably put that in there too i'll put any injury history they have what their goals are if we've gotten that far in the session and then things that I saw, like so if, for instance, if I put them on the 500-meter row and it takes them three and a half minutes to do the 500-meter row, when I put that in there, if you're listening to this and you've been coaching for any amount of time, that gives you a pretty good idea of what level of condition a person is coming in at. So, Also, so, go ahead.
0: also how athletic they are. You see someone yeah. get on that thing and you know the chain's flopping everywhere and they're pulling early and they don't know what to do with their limbs that's an indication too.
1: Yeah. So I'll put, you know, any information if they have some sort of connection or relationship with somebody else in the gym so that the rest of the coaches can have that link to, to reference when they come in the class. Um, And then basically what we've got is like a level one, level two and level three, as far as their experience level, level one being the least level three being the most. And again, it's not intended to be all inclusive, but it is intended to give somebody enough information so that when Jason walks into my 9 a.m. class that I didn't do that one-on-one session with him, I got the blast and I know that you've been CrossFitting for five years, you snatched 225 and you casually wrote a 135 hundred. I'm like, okay, I, I could pretty much dial this stuff today. So
0: while we're on this subject, let's talk pricing. You know, obviously, it's going to be relative to what your box charges. Is that part of their first month, or do they pay a fee just for that one-on-one session?
1: We've done it both ways. We currently do not charge for that session; it's included in their membership.
0: So, but they've joined, they've paid, you know, whatever your current monthly rate is, and I think that's the way to go. Keep it simple. Like your member, someone walks in, we let let them know they're going to do a one-on-one session, put it in the calendar. They have to pay to reserve it. Your membership doesn't, you know, if it's a week out, your membership won't start till then. You should be able to set that in whatever system you have. And there you go. Now they're all already on recurring memberships and committed.
1: I think that's important. And to go to the other side, if you are charging them for it, then for me, it becomes a little bit of a value question. How much value was I really able to add to this person? Not how much actual value, how much perceived value, because that matters. So I may have given them a ton of information, which, you know, somebody who knows what's going on is like, dude, that's you gave them a lot of information in an hour. But for that person who doesn't know any better, they're just, they're just thinking to themselves, well, he watched me move and do some stuff, but like that was it. You know, so I want to, I want to provide some value on the front end before I actually collect any dollars.
0: And, and connect. I think that's something we definitely want to hit on. Like if you're doing one-on-ones, you need to be a great Personality, because you need to bring energy. But it's also a great place if you're new to coaching, if you're listening to this and you've just finished your level one, that might be a great place for you to start. You know, one on one, like Coach Glassman says, starts with one on one, then get to two on one. Now you need to be on it because you're also assessing and you're teaching someone to squat for the first time, but it's maybe a little less intimidating than walking into a class of your peers and 15 people.
1: Now, from a practical standpoint, if you're the business owner head coach, I think you need to be very careful about who does those fundamentals. I would say that largely those should be your better coaches. If the newer coaches need to get in there and assist, that's great. I think it is a good opportunity for people to learn in a controlled environment. And that person needs to be okay with sales. So I would definitely not put a new coach in charge of fundamentals because they're going to flop around. And this person who's coming in is clearly going to know that this person is uncomfortable and doesn't really know what they're doing.
0: Yeah. And from that sales aspect, again, it depends, I suppose if they've signed up ahead of time versus, you know, you're closing at the end of that. Cause yeah, you need to be confident asking for, you know, 150, $200 at the end of that session. So we go from one day, you know, and here's really the big jump because now we're going from more than just, okay, I show up once and then I can come to any class to I'm making a commitment you know, I think really from three to six to 12, it's just a matter of getting them to wait for it. But when they go to three day, what do you see some of the difficulties and what are some of the things that make it much better?
1: So I think one of the one of the difficulties is that it is there's a now I, now there's a barrier to entry. So I've immediately put up a roadblock that this person wants to join. And I tell them, you've got to do these things first. And again, it's not always bad. You can do this in a multitude of ways. Those can be a bunch of people in those three sessions together, which can make it a little bit better. Uh, the other thing that may matter is at this point, I, I, for me personally, I think there's probably a line in the sand when I go from one session to increasing the sessions where you may need to charge for that because now I have a coach on the floor who's going to have to put in multiple hours for this. I need to pay them, so that cost needs to be covered but I think the charge kind of goes along with the barrier. If, if I'm charging them for it, I've got a commitment for them to get through these three classes and then we can talk about what the membership's gonna look like. And depending, there's a lot of ways, we're not gonna talk about pricing, but you can charge any number of ways for that up, down, uh, or straight across, it doesn't really matter, but that's for you to figure out. Um, but that is where I think the barrier can be is I, I'm kind of putting the brakes on somebody who wants to start.
0: Yeah. And I think another barrier to that is that now we're talking, do you have enough coaches to do this? Right. So, cause there's really two options. Like you said, it's okay. This three sessions, they run every Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 6 PM. Okay. Well that means you probably need a coach for class and a coach for this, or it's a one-on-one session and we schedule it around you, but now you need a coach available to do that. So I've seen that, you know, so that's, two different ways the box down here goes one-on-one sessions and again when we talk about pricing the coach now gets a piece of it it's a whole different ball game versus you could have 10 people in this on ramp you know if we call it an on ramp and you're giving the coach an hourly rate
1: and I think the the other hurdle with that is I've seen it done this way more often than most is that those three sessions those generally have to go into a fixed time slot now and where that can be problematic is what if that person can't make those time slots? So what I end up doing from a coaching standpoint is kind of bouncing around and, and trying to get this session in in all sorts of different hours of the day that were previously that was previously kind of not part of my schedule. Uh, and again, that that barrier for entry can be problematic Now, if you run a morning and an evening session, then great, yeah, it's a little bit more availability, but again, it goes back to your point just now, which was that I need to have more coaches for that at this point. So again, now it's a manpower issue.
0: Yeah. And you know, for a lot of boxes listening, it's, you can have the manpower, but if you have a small space, you know, so I see it happen at North Naples CrossFit, you know, and I think they would agree. It's like, they try to be flexible. You can come in any time, but a lot of times that's class time. And I got the music blasting and the coach is trying to talk over that, even though there's space or they go outside And now we go back to that experience. So depending on your space, that can be an issue. But would you agree that the three-day certainly lends itself to your athletes being a little bit easier to integrate into classes?
1: I'm going to say a little bit. And when I say a little bit, I literally mean a little bit.
0: So, So, And that's why you go
1: one day. Yeah, they are mildly more prepared than they were after one day. I just... Because think about the number. Think about how long it takes somebody to get acclimated to going into a class. It takes them generally a month to two months. So I don't think it's reasonable to expect that three hours with this person they're going to be on the up and up on how on how things work.
0: Okay. I'm not
1: saying it can't, I can't. I'm not saying it can't be done. I'm just saying that more often than not, the the three classes is not much different than one.
0: So this far into the episode, if you're listening what you're getting is it's not worth the, the pain in the ass it brings.
1: It depends. Right. So again, it goes back to like, what does your business look like? Do you have one coach who's dedicated to this process? And like, that's all they do. They are the athlete intake person. And, and you've, and you've got a business that facilitates paying that person. And and there's a very smooth process and somebody handles that person's the sales portion scheduling it getting it done and then them graduating then i think it's great but uh, if you're if you're tossing this this function to people at random then i think it's problematic
0: so i mean this is a, a bit of a tangent i guess my question would be would you have someone on your staff that you couldn't that couldn't handle someone coming in for their first day and hopping into class say that again so in other words You do the one day intro, basically, Mm -hmm. whatever you want to call it. All of your coaches are capable of now handling that person in the busiest class. Okay. That's your answer, right there, is what I'm saying. So, for me, to give an example, I had 20 coaches at one point in Albany CrossFit. And I realized some of those coaches were only on because they can only handle the 9 a.m. class, and that was their time. And then I said, wait a minute, that's on me. I don't want you on my staff if I'm afraid you can't handle my busiest class of the day.
1: Correct. Right? So to, yeah.
0: You're saying that about your coaches. They can handle that. Now, what does that mean to box owners and what does that mean to the coaches listening? They need to be getting to that level that they can handle a new person along with 20 members.
1: I think a good way to think about this or assess yourself from a, from a head coach or a box owner standpoint would be this. If you look across the, the class slots that you have and you look across your coaching staff, it, whether you want to admit it or not, there's probably one or two people in there where there's a gap. So all of my coaches are at this level and this one person is slightly lower than that. You have to assume worst case scenario that this new person is going to walk into that coach's class first day. So my job now becomes I have to get this person up so that there's not a ton of deviation between class slots and between coaches, different flavor, not necessarily one person can't teach the snatch, but everybody else can.
0: That's yeah. And that's tough. And that's just comes down to, you know, going back to an earlier episode the intern program, and then just developing your coaches. I think as we move from three day to six day, we're just going to see the same pros and cons over a longer period of time.
1: I think so. Now you might, depending generally what i see with the longer ones is there's there's a larger group in there so they do them less frequently obviously but the the sizes of those groups can can vary between i've seen anything when people do it from 8 to 20 people in those fundamental sessions and that's where i think you can see a little bit better retention because those people move as a group so now bobby and sally have graduated together they have some cohesion in that group about well, this is my graduating class. Like, remember when we went through fundamentals and we graduated? So there's definitely some value there. You know, the con could be the manpower issue. So the con could be on my end where I just don't have the hours in the day to facilitate that going forward. It's just one more class time. If you don't have enough coaches to run those two things simultaneously, it's just one more hour in the day that I have to add to that.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. So, I mean, really... As we go further, the biggest obstacle is going to get people to sign up for the future. That's certainly a challenge. You know, I highly recommend paying to reserve your space. Don't wait for people to come back in two weeks and pay you. It's probably not going to happen. You know, no. my biggest gripes with my coaches was always when they'd be like, hey, someone joined. I'd be like, cool, where's their money? Oh, we didn't collect it yet. i am like, okay, they didn't join. You know, like until they pay you, we don't have a <laughs> member. Um, so there was always that. But I a hundred percent agree with you. Even now, you know, what are we in twenty nineteen? I can look back and still see to this day people that did their. You know, we called it a boot camp back then. We called it, you know, it was our twelve our twelve day was a boot camp, and it was you know like a graduation day. We would give out certificates. They would all still hang together. they do the competitions together. They, those niches were created in those boot camps. So you're definitely growing your community. That's a that's a huge pro
1: there. Huge pro. And again, I think that largely works for the boxes that are more mature. If you're just starting off and you gotta pay bills, I mean, let's again being super practical here, I don't I don't think it's I don't think it would be responsible for us to pitch best case scenario for somebody who's just starting their gym. Like at some point, like you just got to get people in the door and start coaching and mm-hmm. understand that that's a less than ideal scenario, but you gotta deal with it. You know, like again, this is where the rubber meets the road. I gotta pay bills, I need butts and seats, and I'm not necessarily up to par to coach these people. Um, That's a real thing. So I have to have a plan with which to morph that over time. Okay, how do I improve this experience? How do I get athletes a little bit more prepared to enter the class? Um, Chris Cooper, who you had on this uh, last week, you know, largely what what they'll teach in Two Brain, because you and I have both been through that course, Um, at different times. Um, The the other way you can do that is kind of a prescriptive model. So that prescriptive model can look like maybe that person does the one-on-one session. And then from there, I would prescribe what I feel is appropriate for that individual athlete. So if they come in and they're incredibly, you know, let's go let's go with the athlete that I really want to come in my gym. So this, let's say we have an athlete who comes in who, who would fall in the category of morbidly obese. So they're 300 plus pounds, but they're really trying to change their life. You know, they've made a huge commitment to jump in. They come into the, to that one-on-one session with me. We go through that. I, give, I get my assessment. I get the picture that I need. I may tell that athlete, I think the best bet for you at this point is personal training until we're both comfortable for you jumping into the class. You know, so that's another option it's not class or nothing you know it it is another opportunity again kind of killing two birds with one stone which is making sure that the coaching staff can coach the class effectively but also potentially creating some other revenue streams for personal training for people that it is absolutely appropriate for them to do personal
0: training yeah and and go you know going back to that you know my boot camp 12 day program let me say I had a a unique space where I had a separate space that I can take them. Um, You know, I had plenty of equipment. I put on two or three coaches per session because they would get as big as 20. So if you're not ready for that, that's probably not the best idea for you. And I, I love what you just said. And I think that kind of, you know, brings this to a head as in people listening, they want an answer from two professionals, two people that have lived it. What is the right answer if they're listening this far into the podcast? You know, I think the first thing we'd say is you have to assess, like you've said a few times. But what do you think? You're clearly doing that intro session. Is that the way to go these days?
1: It is for us now. But I I, I would be lying to you if I looked 12 months down the road and, and said, hey, I think we need to change this. But again, that's what works for us right now. I'm, but, but, but that's because I'm generally the one who does all of those. I'm kind of the sales lead in the facilities at this point. If I remove myself from that position, we might revamp it. I don't know.
0: I, I agree with you. I think if I were to start a new box, I'd probably do that one day intro. Like I said, they pay for their membership. I'd let the other coaches know. But the big picture for me would be, I would be confident in all of my coaches to coach them on their first day of class. So that might be something these guys have to, if you're listening, really reflect upon, you know, does the, woman or man that coaches your 6 a.m. class, is he capable of doing that or is he just super fun and energetic so people love him, but can he keep a new person safe while challenging someone that's been at it for three years?
1: And if you are in that position where you have to bring people in the door again to just give some super practical advice here, there are some things you can do to mitigate that, which is number one, you know, we haven't gone full, deep dive into lesson plan, but you got to have a lesson plan so that you can have some means of facilitating those new athletes. The other thing that you could do, and this kind of goes along with scaling, uh, the scaling episode, if you haven't listened to that, go back and listen to it, but I can set, I can have some standard scaling options that people have to graduate through when they're new. So if you come into my gym and it's snatch day, maybe it looks something like you don't snatch on day one. Maybe it's a power clean instead. And we gradually work our way up to snatching down the road. So there is kind of this potentially hybrid looking version of this that you could put together where I'm not doing the, the upfront intros. I've somehow woven that into my classes when people come in that they have to do this first and then they do this. The problem with that is the con is I have to figure out how to track that.
0: Yeah. I mean, the one thing you and I both love about CrossFit and I think most of the people listening, something they love is there is no right answer. You can listen to this episode and you can try every method we just discussed, or you can listen to this episode and say, these guys know nothing about it. I'm going to continue to do what I do. But I think a big piece of advice you're going to get is assess yourself, try different things and evaluate if it's working for you. You know, I think the best metric people can be looking at in this scenario is how long they're retaining members for.
1: Yeah. And generally, if you're going to lose them, you're probably going to lose them in 90 days. So if you're keeping, you got somebody for 90 days, you're generally going to keep them for upwards to 12 to 18 months past that.
0: Yeah. And if they're not sticking around that long, I would definitely evaluate this again and figure out, is it because of how they were onboarded, how they were brought in? Any Anything else you would add to our discussion on on-ramps?
1: No, I, I, you know, I think the big takeaway here, like you just said, is that I don't think there's a right answer. I think you have to figure out what works for you now based on those two major variables. What does my business need to have right now? And what can my coaches facilitate? And then you devise everything else around those two things. And then you need to revisit on a very regular basis, six to 12 months.
0: Yeah, and if you have questions, if you're unsure, hit us up. You know, Fern's running two affiliates and and a third gym. I've run three affiliates. I'm at a box right now that that does do those three one-on-one sessions. So if you're like, what do you think I should do? We'll certainly give you advice. And we both have different plans for what worked. I still have that 12 day boot camp somewhere on my computer and the, you know, cloud out there, which I'm happy to share. But but test it out and be developing your coaches.
1: Yeah. Just keep working and keep revising it. That's the, that's the big thing is just keep, keep revising and keep evaluating, treat it like your fitness guys. Like again, if we want to serve with this back to like something we all know, is it working? Are the athletes getting in a good experience? Are we retaining them? Is it facilitating the coaches being able to see and correct and, you know, educate, inspire, entertain when those athletes come onto the floor, evaluate. If one of those things is not happening, ask yourself, is that a result of our intake process?
0: That's it, and and you know we we talked about this before. Ask your athletes. Hey, if someone comes through, ask them what they enjoyed, what they didn't enjoy. Take them out to a cup of coffee, and find out what they liked, and be willing to change. You, I think one of the biggest mistakes I made as a box owner, especially once I got a little bit successful, was thinking I knew everything, and I was a dummy. And in retrospect, that's the one thing I would have been a little more open minded listen to other people a bit more and that's why we're doing this. So hopefully if you're listening, you're heeding some of this advice. I I know we're leaving this episode as, Hey, there's no right answer, but I guess the, the best answer is the right answer is the one that works for you and your box. Yeah, I would agree. All right, Fern, another good episode of best hour of their day. Like we said, though, if you do want to hit us up, reach out to us. We're happy to evaluate and give you some advice on what we think would be best for you. And if you have any topics you'd like for us to discuss, people you'd like for us to chat with, let us know. But if not, Fern and I—I I feel like we need like a catchphrase to go out on, like Fern out. But I don't think we should use that one.
1: Uh yeah. I mean, like uh, you know, Savan and those guys had land the plane, but we gotta okay. find—we gotta find our own. We gotta figure out what that is.
0: I think it'll come naturally.
1: It'll come naturally. Uh, right. and,
0: and until we find that, it's been great chatting with you, Fern. And we look forward to getting back on and recording our next episode.
1: All right, everybody. Talk to you then.
0: Thanks again for listening to Best Hour of Their Day. Take a moment, head over to the Apple Podcast app or Spotify or Google or whatever you use and leave us a review. It really means a lot to us and it's what allows us to spread the word. Also, share this with your friends, your family, your coworkers. Tell everybody at the box to listen to Best Hour of Their Day and let us know what we can do to provide you a better experience. Do you have topics you want us to talk about, people you want us to interview? We are here for you, the community. We're here to give back, and we hope you've enjoyed this episode of Best Hour of Their Day.